Hello, hello, and welcome to Fearless Fridays with Marianne. I am your host, Marianne Rivera Donette, known as the Fearless Living Coach and Career Reset Strategist. This podcast is for the woman needing inspiration, motivation, and empowerment as she steps into her purpose and power. Each week, through our special guests, our hope is that you will walk away ready to recommit to loving yourself a little bit more and step into your own truth. Our speakers, like the everyday woman, has experienced some type of hardship and have overcome adversity. Our speakers will speak directly to you and give you tips on how to step into your fabulousness as you create the life you were born to live, a life where you are free and happy. Are you ready? And we are live. Welcome back, everybody, for another episode of Fearless Fridays with Marianne. I am your host, Marianne Rivera Donette, known as the Fearless Living Coach and Career Reset Strategist. And today we have an amazing guest, Lashonda Leslie Smith. And we are just going to dive right in. Um, so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to us and let us know a little bit what you are currently doing and who you are. Yeah, sure. Well, thank you, Marianne, for having me. Um, as mentioned, I'm Lashonda Leslie Smith. I am a licensed social worker by trade. Currently, I serve as the executive director of a growing nonprofit called Connected Communities. And we do neighborhood revitalization um, from a holistic perspective. Our mission is to partner with the residents in our neighborhood and to do anti-racist development, uh, ensuring that there's um, equal distribution of resources, equitable distribution of resources. Um, I enjoy doing that work. It really encompasses all of my experience and 20 years in, in running uh, and serving nonprofits and um, gives me an opportunity to be on the ground uh, with my people, helping out black and brown communities and um, really kind of righting the wrongs of our history. Awesome. Awesome. So for me, 2021 is all about transformative freedom. So when you hear those words, what does that mean to you? Well, that means a mouthful to me. Um, so, you know, just kind of breaking it down, um, transfer transformative uh, within itself just means so much. And I think that transformative freedom combined gives us the ability to be flexible and to evolve um, and to grow and to stretch. Um, it also means opportunity, um, just at, in every sense of that word. I've heard on a number of occasions, and I live by these words, that opportunity comes to the prepared mind. But we must take advantage of opportunity within the lifetime of the opportunity. And so again, as I think about that transformative freedom, it gives us the ability to be prepared in season, out of season. It also gives us uh, the freedom to take advantage of whatever may present itself to us and be able to pivot quickly. And so I really love this concept of transformative freedom. I think it, like I said, it gives people that permission to not be stuck in a place, whatever that is, if it's stuck in a relationship, if it's stuck, um, on a job, if it's stuck in a career, um, even if it's you being stuck in a house with teenagers, <laughs> you know, everything is about perspective. So if you tap into that transformative freedom, I'm sure there are ways that you might be able to 
partner with those quirky teenagers as opposed to feeling like you are just, you're doomed until they graduate and they're out of the house. You have transformative freedom. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. So in terms of evolve, I know you mentioned the word evolve. Um, tell us about one of the biggest challenges that you've been faced with and what did that healing process look like? Yeah. Um, well, gosh, I mean, who hasn't been through a number of challenges? I certainly have had my fair share. I was sharing with a friend the other day that it feels like my life has been structured such that I walk into a space, a room, an organization, and it's like I have, I'm ready for opposition written on my forehead. That certainly isn't the case, but apparently it's the way God has wired me as a part of my gifting, my purpose for being on this earth. Um, and so I think in order to be able to have the fortitude that's necessary to do hard work, uh, kind of like what my current job calls for, we have to go through some things so that we can build that muscle um, for the journey ahead. And I would imagine that the greatest challenge that I've had to overcome was probably being a teenage parent. Um, I don't know that there was any, anything tougher uh, than being a mom starting at the age of 14. And, uh, you know, now being a mom, more years of my life than not. Yeah. Um, and so I was, as I said, 14 years old, I had a baby boy who I was responsible for and uh, became a single parent um, very early in that process, um, was in my own apartment by the time I was 16 years old. So that meant I was on my own, although I was on uh, welfare receiving temporary assistance. Um, I still had to work. Um, I struggled in those early years trying to go to school, trying to get my education because, you know, I'm 16, right? And I'm I have all these priorities. I have this kid that's depending on me for, you know, every life source. And I have my own personal desires to also want to be a kid. <laughs> I have this need and these goals of wanting to graduate from high school and maybe try to do something with my life. And so that was a struggle. And there were many times where I just really wasn't sure if I could do that on my own. Um, but I'm grateful to God. I don't know where I've been able to muster the strength that I sometimes have found, have often found when I've been faced with challenges like this. But I know that it is the grace of God that's on my life that allows me to um, really just kind of, I just get in this this zone where I'm like, you know, it is what it is. You got to do what you got to do. So right. complainers and I, we don't really, we don't pump well together because I'm just <laughs> like, look, life is hard. It sucks. Get over it. Right. We got things to do. <laughs> um, and so I think that having that perspective, having that frame of mind is a part of a healing process because the healing can't begin until we are ready. You know, healing right. can't begin until you make up your mind that it is what it is. It may suck, <laughs> but life cannot stop here. I have to keep going. I have to keep pushing. I have to keep grinding. In my case, it was that little boy who needed me that kept pushing me. And so we have to just dig deep down and find what it is that is going to push us further. Um, I did uh, also 
give my life to Christ at 17. And so I know that that created a very strong foundation for me. Um, so when I did face those hard times, I immediately looked to the hills from which cometh my help. Now that of course was a process. I had right. to learn how to do that over time because my natural instinct is to plan, you know, I don't think my mother named me Lashunda for no reason. It's like, it's like you you gotta do, you gotta do something, Lashunda. You gotta get it together. What would Lashunda do? Um, and I stopped asking myself what would Lashunda do and started asking myself, what would Jesus do? Um, and really leaned on the word of God, leaned on um uh, the name of Jesus, leaned on the blood and um and trusted him to get me through every difficult time. And so um I would say that that is still an ongoing recovery process, even when, you know, just to to the audience, to those who are listening, um, who people who have gone through really difficult challenges and felt feel like, well, geez, I don't know when this is ever going to be over. I think folks really need to learn to give themselves a break, um, let themselves off the hook. We can be we can be going through a healing process. We can be delivered, if you will, if you use that kind of language. Um, but sometimes it is about being delivered. That means that it's continual. Um, and back on those early years with my son, look, look on. I've done something different. I wish I would have made a different choice in who his father was. I wish that I knew that spankings weren't always the answer. You know, like there's a lot of things that I wish I could have done differently. That's not going to change that. And it's also not going to fix it by me just beating up on myself. And so a part of my healing process from being this, you know, teen mother and facing all the challenges that my son and I face together is talking that through with him and 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 apologizing for things and, you know, talking about what what my struggles were. So if he is um you know, dealing with some of the residual effects of being raised by a teenager, he has some understanding. He's not internalizing those things. He's not blaming himself for those things, but we're having dialogue. And so that becomes a part of not just my healing process, but his as well. That is so good. There was a lot that was said there and it is so good. And we can kind of assume what your why is, but what has been your why to keep you going? You started out as a teenage mother. Um, and many people don't know, um, but you know, new people that might be listening to us, you started a nonprofit, you know, at a very early age. You've been on a TED Talk, you've been nominated for 40 under um 40 under 40, the young Athena finalist. What has been your why that has kept you going and achieving the level of success that you have right now? Um, now, I do have two children. Um, my son is now 27. My daughter is 20 um, years old. And my husband and I have been married for 23 years. So all of them are a part of my why. But it really did start from that initial challenge that I just referenced, being a teen mom, um, having a son. There was one point in my life where, um, you know, I'm 15, 16 years old at this point. I wasn't really going to school because I didn't have childcare or consistent childcare, Cons consistent childcare, safe childcare, affordable childcare, all of what you need when you are 
a teenage mom or a single parent. Um, I just didn't have those resources available to me. Um, and then I realized when it was almost time for him to start early pre-K that I wasn't going to be able to encourage him to be successful if I couldn't be his first role model. And so he began as my initial why, and quite honestly, he continues as my why, because my daughter and he have very different experiences. She has a father in her life. She lived in the same house for 15 years. Like her, her life circumstances, even being raised by the same parents are completely different um, than she and her brother. <clears throat> and so I always think about being that role model um, for both of them, but especially for my son, because there was so much that he didn't have. There was so much that I didn't have to give. Um, we tend, when we're parenting, we tend to model after our parents, even those of us who say, when I get older, I'm never doing that. <laughs> and then before you know it, the things that come out of our mouths sound just like our parents. And, um, and, and of course they are modeling what they know and we don't have to give what we never received. And so there were some things that I never received that I couldn't give him. And so as I grow and I stretch and I evolve as a woman, as a mother, as a wife, I'm constantly committed to sharing those life lessons with him and my daughter so that I can give them what somebody didn't give me. And hopefully they can give even more to their children and what we weren't able to give them. So uh, my son continues to be my why. That is amazing. That is awesome. So how do you find balance in being a mother, a wife, a professional? And have you ever felt that any specific area has has had to be sacrificed um, during your career? Um, yes, there. Um, so I've, I recently um, heard a woman who I really admire um, uh, Dr. Ashley Cross discuss the rhythm in life. So we often say that we need to find balance. And she's talked about how, you know, she's not interested in balance. She's interested in finding her rhythm. And I, you know, I really like the concept of that because I am one who feels like it's not necessary for us to have all things all the time. There are times in our lives where one thing is going to take priority over the other, and we need to give ourselves permission to allow that to happen and not allow guilt to come in and suffocate us. Mm -hmm. um, and just as an example of that, you know, you mentioned that, um, I started a nonprofit. Well, you know, even as a team mom, I still was able to graduate from high school on time. I went straight to undergraduate college, which was amazing because nobody went to college uh, in my family. And so I'm a you know first gen college graduate. <clears throat> and and then immediately I went on to grad school. And so while I'm in grad school and I've been married for a few years and now I have two children and we've purchased a home and we have all these things that we're juggling, we're very active in our church ministry. Um, and I, after grad school, I also decided I'm gonna pursue a doctorate. Somebody's gonna call me doctor. 
at some point. You know, I'm here now. I might as well keep going, right? <laughs> why, right. why stop at a master's degree? Let's go for this right. terminal degree. Um, and at the time, my son was just entering into middle school. Now, um, he is the child that has always kept me close to Jesus. <laughs> so I have to spend a lot of time on my face praying for him. Um, and, and I thank him for that because me and Jesus are tight now, you know, because I really <laughs> needed him to help me get through those early years uh, with this child who I'm just so proud of now. Um, but I knew that I could go and I could pursue this goal that I had of mine of uh, being this top student. Because the other thing is, I'm never halfway in a thing. You know, when I do something, I'm all the way in it. So I'm not going to work on a degree of any kind and settle for B, C's, and D's. You know, like I need to be able to give it my all. <clears throat> and I knew that at that time of middle school where kids are just developing, my son was, you know, er, yeah, he's, he's around that age where I was exposed to a lot of different things. And so I wanted to be able to give my full time and attention to being his mother. Mm-hmm. And so that meant that that doctorate degree had to take a back seat. Um, And so initially I felt really bad because it felt like I had failed in some ways. I had this really important goal to me, but I had other responsibilities and uh, priorities. And so I have learned that it's okay. (laughs) Delayed, but not denied. You know, that's, that's one of the things that we have to always keep in mind that just because a thing is delayed, just because it hasn't presented itself to us right now, it doesn't mean that it won't happen. It doesn't mean that God is denying that heart's desire that we have. And we also have to keep in mind that no time is wasted. Every single thing that I learned from being committed to uh, my son and daughter in that particular season of their lives has prepared me now to walk back into a doctoral program where I am that 4.0 student. Yes. You all will be calling me doctor very soon. I know, Um, that's right. (laughs) And so it's it's all about timing. It's okay. It's okay. So we just got to find that rhythm um, and find what works for us and not try to be all things to all people all the time. That is so good. I had to write that down. Delayed, not denied. And Mm -hmm. rhythm, not balance. I like that. So what advice would you give to women that are ready to break free and start creating the life that they are meant to live and that they desire to live and they're not sure how? Yeah, the first thing is really just to make up your mind. And by making up your mind, I mean, you have to make a firm decision and do not sway to the right or to the left of that based on the obstacles that come. Too often people give up on their hopes and their dreams too quickly. They hit a little roll bump in the road and they say, oh yeah, no, I can't do this ever. I hit a little bit of a roll bump in the road while working on that doctorate degree. And I could have just said, oh, too much time has been wasted. I've already spent too much money. I'm I'm too old. There's a bunch of excuses I could have made, but I knew that delayed 
did not mean denial. And so we just have to make up our mind that we're going to be committed. And even if it means that we can't do it right now, we're not going to give up on the process of getting us to where we want to go. And then I would say, write the vision down. Whatever it is that you desire in your heart, I'm, I'm, you know, not everybody's a fan of vision boards and journey maps and things like that. I'm a very big um, believer in them. Um, sometimes I have had <clears throat> creative vision boards and journey maps, and I've just cut out things in a magazine that seemed really attractive to me um, and never went back to it. And then I realized that somehow I've achieved that. I do believe that our words create. There is power in us being able to speak a thing into existence. And so as we are speaking those things into existence, we can't be naive to think that the enemy is not also hearing our hopes and our dreams and that he has his own set of plans for us. And so it is very important that as we are believing those things, we are speaking those things, we're writing the vision down, that as those thoughts that come into our head, our mind, that contradict the vision that we feel like God is placed in our heart or those things, those desires that we have for our heart. Um, the Bible tells us to take captive every thought that would set itself up against the knowledge of Christ, take captive of every vain imagination. And so I just have gotten into the habit of everything that the enemy says that I am, I immediately say I'm not. Mm. And everything that the enemy says that I'm not, I immediately say that I am because our confessions are powerful and the words that we speak over our lives and even over the lives of our children, our family members, over our marriage, over our money is important. It drives me crazy when people say, oh, I'm broke or that child is so bad or, right. you know, I'm never going to get married or I'm never going to do that. Your words are creating. They are on a, you are sending your words on assignment. And so I would say that's how we start. We start with just getting our mind right and determining that this thing is going to happen and that every single resource that I need is going to manifest itself. It's going to present itself. Um, and of course, faith without works is dead. I got, yeah. if I'm trying to lose weight, I got to get on a treadmill, right? <laughs> I have to turn down that chocolate bar that my husband loves to bring me. I have to say, have a talk with him and say, babe, no more chocolate bars. <laughs> Buy me flowers instead of chocolate. You know, whatever it is. So you may have to make some changes, but it has to first start in your mind. If you can't believe it, if you can't see it, if you can't imagine it, if you can't think it, then you probably can't have it. That is so true because, and especially depending on our upbringing and our early circumstances, those things that have been spoken into our lives, they start to seep into our subconscious and they start to become a reality. And we have to be purposeful on combating those negative thoughts with positive affirmations and speaking the life that we truly want and desire. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there a difference between a journey map and a, a vision board? Well, I guess a, a vision board is a little bit looser. You're just kind of writing things down or cutting out pictures, whereas a journey map is really you articulating the your plan for the journey. So you're thinking first quarter of the year, or maybe you do it on a monthly basis or a weekly basis, but you're, you're still uh, employing the tools that you might use in a vision board where you're cutting things out or you're writing things out, but you're just putting some time stamps around them and some some concrete goals. Oh, okay. I like that. I'm gonna have to give that mm -hmm. a try. 
<laughs> All right. So what book have you recently read that has truly inspired you? Oh my God. Um, well, right now I'm reading uh, The Color of Money and that has been really inspirational to me. As I mentioned, I do um, neighborhood revitalization work through an anti-racist lens. And um, and prior to this book, I read Ibram Kendi's book, um, How to Become an Anti-Racist. And so it's really changed my mind on what the term racist and racism actually means um, and in the role that I play even as an African-American woman. That is not to say that the institution of racism has not been created and dominated by um, white people, dominated and sustained uh, by white people, but it's really taught me a lot more about what it means to be a true ally. Um, and that's really critical for the kind of work um, that I do, what it means to have white allies and, and, and what that sh should look like, how people show up. And the color of money has been really, uh, really instrumental and just eye-opening um, to read because I don't know about you, Marianne, and if this this happens in like Hispanic culture, but I remember growing up, my grandmother would have money in the freezer or she would have money in a sock under the bed. Yes, exactly. And I'm just like, what is that about? Like get a bank account. <laughs> um, and when I read The Color of Money, it talks a lot about the history of wealth and wealth building um, for Blacks in America. And quite honestly, it talks about the extraction of Black wealth and how you know, we always hear that the system is broken, but really the system, the capitalism system that we have in place now is working as it was designed and it was never meant to be beneficial to black and brown individuals. So as I am working hard to restore communities, I'm really committed to ensuring that we are creating wealth um, for black and brown communities, because I know what it means to be black and poor. I also know now what it means to be black and middle class. I don't know that I'm going to be able to solve racism in my lifetime, but if I can help other uh, black and brown households become uh, established in uh, the area of wealth, then I would have made a significant difference for building generational wealth. Um, and there's so much more access that you have when you have access to wealth. Um, so that has really been, um, I've been really committed to that. But just on a personal level, one of the books that I love to read and reread and reread is um, um, Priscilla Shire's book, Fervent. I love, mm -hmm. love Fervent. She has these different chapters in the book where she'll say things like, if I were your enemy, I would do X, Y, Z in order to get you off of track. And you're thinking, you're right. That doggone devil did do that kind of stuff. And so I just, her book is one that I have to go back to and just remind myself of not just how the enemy works and how cunning um, he is, but also how God works, how the father works in our lives and to make sure that I'm operating in those principles. So I love to read lots of lots of different books I can That's give awesome. you, but those are a few. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I actually wrote those down. So I'm going to be sure to capture those on the show notes and I'm going to get myself a copy of each of those. <laughs> awesome. 
Um, so what are you currently loving? What brings you joy? Hmm. So this might sound really crazy, but I did mention earlier that I have been a mother more of my life than I have not. And now I'm an empty nester mm, yes. and I am loving it. <laughs> I am loving, loving, loving being empty nester. Don't get me wrong. I love my children. I miss them dearly. Um, they are in two different states um, right now. My daughter's in college in Pennsylvania and my son lives in New York City. And so it's, it's, it's just awesome to have them come home. Like they we're home for Christmas and so just to be able to celebrate them and have these young adults and and be able to be their friend because you know I was the parent that brought the pain growing up and so <laughs> now I don't have to be that I could just be like this is your life you know mm -hmm. you got to live your life we we raised you in the way that you shall go we trust you will not depart from it and just to kind of let them be the adults. So I'm really loving that. It was a process to getting here, though. When my um, son went off to college, it was like, I can't sleep. I can't eat. I can't think. I don't know where my kid is. And my husband just had me imagine that he was at a sleepover. So I was able to get through that. But I still had a kid at home and they're right. six years apart. And so I still had a lot more raising to do for this other child. Um, and then when she left, I was just, I was I depressed. Woo, child. Right. You remember my Facebook post, like my baby, my best friend. Oh, Lord, <laughs> she gone. <laughs> like she was never coming back. I'm telling you, I did not know what to do with myself. But then I did. And um it's so funny because when she came home for that first break and then she needed to go here and she wanted money to go to the mall. And I was like, wait, when are you going back to school again? Because because we, we got stuff, we got plans, you know, we're used to life without children. Um, so I am I'm very much loving this uh, this season in my life of being an empty nester. And my husband and I really enjoy being able to go whenever we feel like it, with the exception of the dog on dog. So we may be empty doggers soon because he can't be tying <laughs> us down. <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> so self-care is very important, especially as women. Um, so what is your take on self-care and what does self-care look like to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think self-care is going to be different for everybody. But for me, it always includes um, just me being able to get away and clear my mind. I'm very much of an ambivert. So I'm equally extroverted as much as I am introverted. I need equal amounts of time to be by myself and to be energized by people. And so um, self-care on my birthday will look like me going and getting every free item that is available for birthday. Um, <laughs> you know, so I'm at Starbucks, I'm at Panera getting my cinnamon roll. I'm, you know, I'm really, I'm really everywhere. I'm using my little $10 and $5 coupons at the store and I'm just by myself and I'm mm. having an amazing time. 
Um, and I'll do the same thing on a Mother's Day. I'm a little bit odd. You know, most mothers want to be with their kids on Mother's Day. I'm thinking it's Mother's Day. It's not Mother and Children Day. Um, <laughs> you know, so I usually go and get a massage. I'll get a pedicure. I'll get my hair done. Um, so just being able to steal away and just have my quiet time, my thoughts along with just me and God. And it usually does include some sort of fun um splurge of some kind and I've had to you know work my way up to what the splurge would look like you know the splurge <laughs> right. used to be me soaking my own feet at home and now I can afford to get a pedicure and so it's okay <laughs> you know whatever it is whatever your splurge budget is um you know making that happen um the new thing for me uh in my 40s now is taking a nap when I feel like it Mm. Um, that is something I never used to do. I always felt like I was going to miss something or, <laughs> you know, like there's just too much work to do. But now, especially given COVID, I feel tired. I'm gonna take a nap. That's, that's, that's self-care to me. And then I'll get up and I'll continue the rest of my day. And maybe it pushes my day out an hour further than it might have if I hadn't taken a nap. But that's okay because a nap was what I needed at that moment. And so I'm going to take the nap. Maybe. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so now that 2021 is upon us, what is something that you are looking forward to? What's exciting you know, to you aside from COVID being over? Mm -hmm. Well, honestly, I am just looking forward to the snow being gone. We here in up, upstate New York have been inundated. I know there are some people in the South that are experiencing having some really hard times. So we're kind of used to this. We're built for it. Um, that doesn't mean I like it. <laughs> so <laughs> I am very much so looking forward to just being able to spend a lot of time in my backyard with the sun uh, beaming down on me. Uh, COVID gave me a greater appreciation just for my home and um, the space. I, I always thought I had a really great appreciation for it. And, you know, I'd spend a lot of time making sure that this home is a safe space, a place where I can unwind and relax. And uh, with COVID, because we were trapped here, we spent a lot of time just making our backyard comfortable for us. I did a little bit of gardening for the first time. I was growing herb. I had an herb garden. So I'm looking forward to expanding that herb garden uh, this year. And um, I have a three season hot tub, a soft shell hot tub. So mm. I'm looking forward to breaking that that out again. Yeah. I just, I, I honestly just looked out the door with our multiple inches of snow to try to figure out where I'm going to place the hot tub. <laughs> and it was really hard to imagine through all the snow, but mm. I am definitely looking forward to the day where I can see the ground again. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> so as we get ready to wrap up, a question that I like to ask all my guests is what does fearless living mean to you? I am known as the fearless living coach. Um, but when you hear those words, what does that mean to you? 
Yeah, I think it's pretty much, it sums up all of what we've been talking about today. It is, um, you know, fearless living is is not beating up on yourself, but it's really just going for the goal. Whatever that may mean for you, success looks so different to so many different people. And um, fearless living, a part of that is not allowing anybody to define what success should look like for you. I'm going to fearlessly go for my goals, regardless of how small or big anyone else may think they are. Fearless living is not trying to compare your backstage to someone else's front stage, but really just being the very best version of you. That takes real guts to do. So many people are just imitators and trying very hard to live for the vine. Do they right. still say that I'm doing it for the vibe? Probably not. But anyways, <laughs> um, you know, fearless living is just living for you and what the purpose that you believe that God has purposed in you, um, the purpose that you are destined to fulfill on this earth and really just shutting out all the naysayers. Awesome. I love it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I truly appreciate uh, you taking time from your busy schedule to um, chat with us for a little while. Um, any last parting words before we end? Um, well, it's my pleasure to be here. I've really enjoyed chatting with you, uh, Marianne, and thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, guys, I hope, uh, truly hope that you enjoyed that interview uh, with LaShonda Leslie Smith. I will be sure to capture the books that she talked about. And remember that you are a priority, you matter, and I will catch you next time. Goodbye. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that podcast was beneficial to you. Be sure to click on the subscribe button, leave us a comment and share. We look forward to connecting with you at our website, MarianneRiveraDannert.com, or you can find us on Facebook at the Fearless Living Coach page. Remember that you are fearless and fabulous. You are a priority and you matter. Until next time. Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Kelly. The host of Getting Real with Bossy, the real, raw, and honest podcast about small business ownership. We created Bossy to be a safe place to ask the hard questions and to get support that's necessary. With our experience, nine businesses in over 25 years, we continue to bear it all and share what we wish we had known. We move past the must-be-nices and start getting real. Come along as we interview small business owners and get the true story. Leave with another tool for the next time you feel alone on this journey. Business ownership leads to unexpected knowledge. What are you an expert at? Tell us at Getting Real with Bossy and subscribe today.